Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. John is taking a short break and I'm standing in for him today. My name is Andy Bradley and I'm John's fellow director at Delta EE. For those that don't know me, I've been at Delta E and in the new energy space for over 10 years now. Although before then, I admit I had over 20 years in the oil and gas industry. So I still have some way to go before I reach my own personal net zero target. Today, we're going to focus on one interesting and important aspect of the transition from old energy to new energy. Namely, how incumbent utilities are reinventing their digital infrastructures in response to the many changes that are happening throughout the energy system and in customers' homes. Changes that I'm sure many listeners are familiar with, such as growth in renewable generation, battery storage, electrification of heat and transport, smart meters, and increasing connectivity of all consumer devices, or the so-called internet of energy. In response to these changes, how are utilities redeveloping their CRM and billing systems, or building new digital platforms to offer services into the market? What are the main challenges they need to overcome? And what are the experiences to date? I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Witsa Kastra from Accenture. Witsa is lead for the utilities, Europe and energy retail business and has many years of hands-on experience of working with utilities on these questions. Hello, Witsa. Hi, Andy, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. I'm sure everyone will be familiar with the Accenture name, Pizza, but can you start perhaps just by giving us a short introduction to Accenture and your role within it? Yeah, sure. So um, we are a global professional services uh, company with more or less uh, 500,000 employees, which is uh, sometimes hard to imagine even for myself, that uh, immense number. We work for the large corporations globally for the Fortune 2000 companies and uh, also some uh, some smaller selected ones. We focus a lot on innovation and technology. That's really at the heart of what we do. And the services we provide are starting from strategy consulting straight into technology advisory and digital transformation type of work system integration, application management, and also business process outsourcing. Mm -hmm. That's more or less what we do. I'm personally doing that specifically for the utility industry uh, that I'm uh, leading in Europe, as you just mentioned earlier. Um, And next to that, I'm also leading our um, center of excellence for uh, energy consumption and, and retail services on a global level. So basically to put it simply i'm I'm trying to best bring the best of accenture to to our clients and driving innovation and setting the agenda and the and the strategy for our our, our teams and, and supporting them in their uh, in their daily uh, daily delivery in the different countries where we operate okay thanks thanks i had no idea that accenture was so big actually half a million employees i mean within that huge organization how important is the utilities segment for you as a business well utilities is is very important it's um it's actually one of the starting industries of of accenture and then many many years ago when i joined and then it's almost 23 24 years ago we were called uh, anderson consulting and actually utilities one 
was even at that time one of the key industries we had. So today um, we, we, we serve more or less 19 industries globally um, and utilities is in the top five of that. Mm. So it's a very important uh, segment of, uh, of business for Accenture. Okay. Cool. All right. Thank you for that. So let's start our discussion then, at, perhaps at a high level, and then focus down on some more specific use cases before we get our sort of or John's crystal ball out towards the end of the, the discussion. Perhaps you know just to kick things off. I mean, just to clarify what we're really talking about when we talk about digital infrastructure. You know, is it primarily back office systems like billing and CRM, or are there other things that you think need to be considered? Yeah, so, so perhaps one step back, um, we, if you look at the full value chain, you, you need digital infrastructure, digital platforms, I would say, across the value chain, from power generation and renewables, you need it for the trading, obviously, for your transmission and distribution, and finally on the customer side, which is the, the traditional retail area. So we see these type of platforms supporting the business in all these areas. But but for today, I think we would like to focus indeed on the on the on the retail side, as uh, as discussed. Yeah. Um, and 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 they're typically the traditional platforms that we have been working on with the industry over the past 25 years is clearly on the CRM and billing side. But I would say that today in this digital era and also in this energy transition uh, where we are in the midst of, I would say there, there is more than only CRM and billing. So typically I would say there are three chunks. Um, the top chunk is really around uh, digital customer engagement, digital experience, managing the channels uh, from phone to, to apps to, to chatbots. That's a whole ecosystem in itself, which is driven by digital platforms and technology. Then at the heart, you have the systems of records, almost CRM, billing, metering. That's really where the heavy lifting and transactional machine is running on. And then next to it, you have, you have all the new products and services, which is a bit of an IoT game, whether it's a smart thermostat, boilers, demand response, electric mobility, solar panels. And that also require specific uh, solutions to support that. So, it's it's it used to be very much CRM and billing, and today I would say it's a wider architecture of uh, functionalities. Okay, thanks, thanks. That's a really great overview. I think we'll we'll come on to a few specific use cases later in our discussion, but perhaps to start with, you know, starting at a high high level. I mean, how would you characterize the position of of European utilities when it comes to the these types of of uh, aspects of their digital infrastructure? Yeah, well, for those that are in the industry and, and active in Europe, it's not going to be a surprise that uh, that the retail space is 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 not an easy is not an easy area to operate in as a utility. And uh, and the reason for that is that uh, the, the market is liberalised. Uh, we we know that we have competition, and that's not always the case in other sides of the of the world where it's more of a monopoly. But in Europe, we have competition. And electricity and gas are to a very large extent a commodity. So whether you 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 get it from company A, A B, or C for, for, for consumer, it's more or less the same. So price becomes a very dominant factor. So that's a bit the challenge, I would say, where the retail industry is in. 
So as a result, in order to be able to win and to compete and to be successful, it's, it's mission critical to have very low cost to serve, lower than the competition, and in the same time have a great customer experience in order to, I would say, improve the margins, reduce the churn, so to make sure the, the, the clients are staying with you, improve loyalty by, by different programs, um, and also find new sources of growth, new products, new services, and, 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 and become more relevant as a brand. I mean, that's kind of where uh, the challenge of the industry is. Some are making some, some good steps, others are, I would say, still struggling a bit, but that's the, the competitive arena of, of our clients. And as a result, um, they need very strong digital infrastructure to support their business aspirations and their business strategy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, how do you think companies are doing? I mean, uh, my experience over the last 10 years has, has been that you know, many utilities have tried to introduce new CRM systems and you know often made the, the front page of local newspapers for the wrong reasons in, in the in the in the journey of rolling those systems out um, I mean do you do you think over the sort of more recent times the European utilities have made great strides forward now you're, you're, you're spot on um, I think I think we've seen that across across the globe and also specifically across Europe that typically these implementations of the CRM and billing systems have, have been quite a painful experience, painful in the sense that it was very large, it was expensive and, and if you only have 1% wrong of your data and you can, because we're talking about millions of customers, you quite quickly hit horrifying numbers and then you end up in the in the newspapers if you have your, your data and your migrations uh, wrong so i would say that that has been a bit the past um, most of the incumbent utilities have their back offices uh, running quite smoothly at the moment um, and are really focusing more now on improving the experience and in working on new products new services and and are very hesitant i would say to, to touch the the back office for exactly the reasons you you said yeah okay. I think on the other hand the good news is that at the time it was all very new i mean this whole concept of switching from one provider to the other was new and as a result you had all these market communications the companies were not prepared to manage that but that's now well understood and everybody is managing that i think quite quite properly so the maturity of the industry is much higher um mm -hmm. So, so I think that we're gonna see also because these companies are now moving into a new era of new products, new services, new 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 ecosystems. That we're gonna see a next wave, I would say, of evolution of these of these platforms. Um, uh, and we already seen the first the first movers doing that at the moment. Okay. Because again, I mean, going back a few years, my perception was the IT departments in many utilities had a lot of uh, a lot of power and influence and but unfortunately probably had a, a mindset of uh, inventing things in-house rather than bringing things in from externally external vendors um, do you think that that's that sort of description is completely invalid today um, or has the industry moved to some degree away from that to looking externally and bringing 
innovation and new approaches in from outside of the organizations or is is that still an issue for, for many companies in the sector in Europe? Well, I mean, I would not, certainly not claim it's perfect, but I think I think the utilities would understand very, very well that they need to innovate, they need to adapt their business models, they need to tap into, I would say, new growth opportunities, and that it's very difficult to do that alone. So I think everybody understands the theory of partnering and engaging with interesting other companies and setting up alliances and doing potentially acquisitions. Um, but of course, I mean, there is a difference between the top strategy and the top thinkers and the execution on the ground. And I think that's where the challenges uh, that we currently see is that although the strategy might be great, the execution is poor. And, and, and also because technology is moving so quickly right so what was relevant five years ago is already outdated uh, now and what's what's hot now is already might might be outdated in six months so you you need to keep enormously up to date with all the new trends and technologies and also your people need to evolve and it's i mean the french they say it's education permanent you need to to learn over and over and over because the knowledge is just disappearing while, while you're looking at it mm. um, so I think that's really the challenge, and that's also how, how we try to help our clients is, is by building digital factories, by collaborating together, bringing in digital experience, bringing in design thinkers, bringing in ecosystem partners, software vendors to, to, to keep that ecosystem and that factory running and, 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 and helping them with that. And, and next to that, perhaps another trend is it's not only the IT organizations anymore. It's really much more business-led because these technologies, this whole digital transformation, digital is a business challenge. And because it's not only a technology supporting something, it's actually the technology might be the new product or the new service. So I think also this convergence between the business and IT is, is very prominent on the agenda. And I think that that separation that we, that we had probably 10 or 20 years ago is, is not relevant anymore. It's really business and IT working together in, in this digital transformation type of approach. And, and again, okay. some companies have it better than others. Okay, yeah. Okay, absolutely. I mean, it sounds quite positive, actually, your perspective. The, the industry's come a long way. It's developed good strategies. Everyone recognizes the secret is in the implementation um, and the convergence between the business needs and input into these initiatives is much stronger perhaps than it was 10 years ago say so it's quite a you know it sounds as though the industry has certainly moved in the in the right direction and you know from the all the work you've been doing over the last years I'm kind of interested into sort of uh, discussing with you a bit about the challenges the key challenges that you see for companies um, that are, are, they're still having to overcome as they move forward with their digital infrastructures. I mean, based on your experience, what, what would you pick out as your kind of top three challenges um, that you would highlight for, for any utility considering how to go about redeveloping digital infrastructure? Yeah, so so it's it's a, it's a good question because actually everybody's uh, is struggling with it. I think the, the there are many challenges, but let me try to give you my top three. The first one is really how to transform from legacy to the new world. So this whole migration question, because sometimes defining where you want to go is almost the easiest part. And if you could start with a blank sheet of paper, you can build it from scratch, which is 
I, won't, I will not say easy, but relatively straightforward. But if you have a legacy business where you have invested in a lot of money with a lot of data and also sometimes unstructured data, data that is not properly cleaned, and move that into a, a new digital infrastructure is a massive journey, which is really complicated. So how to do that, which steps to take, how to manage the risk, how to, uh, to minimize the, the, the exceptions, that's really one big uh, challenge. Mm -hmm. The second challenge I would like to name is that our clients are becoming more and more pan-European or even global players. And if you look at the energy transition, that's not stopping in the UK or at the border of the Netherlands. That's, that's something that goes across the world and across Europe, and our clients want to tap into that. But the utility market is actually very localized. So if you have something that works in the UK and you bring it to France, it's, it's not going to work anymore. And, and the same is going to Germany. So you need localized solutions which are fitting into the, 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 the local markets. And that creates a lot of complexity and, and it's blocking speed, it's blocking scaling. So that's the second challenge. And it's quite expensive to, to keep, it, keep up to date with all these regulations. And the third one is probably actually the most important is the people. Right? Because sometimes we, 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 we tend to focus too much on the platforms, thinking that platform A or B is the silver bullet and that's going to resolve all my problems. I believe it's, yes, the technology is one big component. It's the organization and the people around it. So having the right culture, the right people, the right execution with the right skills, being entrepreneurial, being innovative, digital savvy, being agile. At the end of the day, the winning companies are not competing on the platform they use. They're competing with the people and the operating model that is using the tools. So those would be my top three challenges uh, to, to overcome. Okay, really three fascinating challenges actually. On the last one there, the most, what you said most important, when you talk about people, are you talking about specifically people with the right skills in terms of digital software IT, bringing those into the utility business and enabling the business to, to drive forward a digital strategy? Yes, so, so skills is absolutely one thing, uh, but it's also the methodology. So how do you work together in an agile way whilst not burning all the budget without realizing anything. So it's, it's really the, the methodology, it's the skills. But it's also um, how to innovate, right? Because innovation has not been a key strength of utilities. I mean, honestly, if you look at the, the, the percentage of, of, of money, of euros or, or pounds that goes into innovation was close to zero 20 years ago. Today it's much higher, but it's still way behind some of the other industries. And innovation has been seen a little bit in the past as something that you have a special department doing innovation and the rest is not caring about it. Whereas now, innovation needs to be represented in every element of the business, in the IT, in the business, in the digital people. So I think this, this, this mindset, this culture of innovation and, and, and driving uh, entrepreneurship is, is also a key component. So it's, yes, it's IT skills on the technology, but it's much more than that only. Yeah, yeah, and no, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, in terms of, of getting the talent in the industry, I mean, what's your feeling on, on how attractive the utility space is for, for young talent 
uh, entrepreneurs, innovators, digital specialists to come into the, the utility sector. You know, the utility sector from the outside probably looks quite boring, quite staid, quite traditional. Um, do you see the utility companies in Europe being able to attract the people with the mindset and energy and ambition that you're implying is needed to be successful in this space? Well, you can say the glass is half full or, or half empty, right? And, and <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm probably going to make it half full because it, it was it was a big problem in the past huh? and that, that indeed the, the, the people wanted to go to investment banking or to fast moving consumer goods companies or to telecom operators and, and not to utilities. I mean, that was the picture uh, probably 10, 15 years ago. I think it's getting much better. It's getting much better given, and we are helped, uh, well, we're not really helped by, I, mean, I think the whole uh, energy transition, the, the, the sustainability agenda, that, that's really a massive attracting factor, I think, for many young people that really, that generation wants to improve the world. They want to have a purposeful, I would say, job. And, and suddenly, suddenly, guess what? The utilities are at the heart of that transition. Yeah. So I think we're seeing improvements. Again, not every company is as attractive as the other, and some, some companies are much better in, in playing that card. But, but clearly, I see, I see a better uptake than, than, than in the past. And actually, we see that within Accenture as well, eh? because the, 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 the same issue as the industry has itself, we have it internally that we are also fighting for talent, for our own consultants, which which department or entity do they want to join? And, 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 and utilities has become much more attractive over the past years than it used to be exactly because of this, because now we have people working on e-mobility solutions. We're working on IoT platforms to support uh, offshore wind farms and these type of things. And suddenly that, that gets a lot of uh, traction, I would say. Yes, yeah, okay. still, still a long way to go. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. And I mean, just picking up on e-mobility there, I just sort of perhaps sort of narrow down the conversation a little bit on some, some specific use cases and the digital infrastructure that's associated with those. For example, let's perhaps start with an EV use case, you know, where uh, an EV owner um, wants to have, for example, a, a time of use tariff available to minimize their recharging costs for their, for their car. You know, from a sort of digital infrastructure perspective, you know, what, what are the main challenges to achieve that kind of time of use proposition for an EV driver, do you think? Yeah, so this, this is really where, where, where digital becomes very important and, and fun and, and, and relevant because the, the whole time of use thing is that if we take one step back, the objective of having that is to be able to better manage the grid at transmission level to manage supply and demand, making sure that not everybody starts to uh, to charge or consume at the same time, and also at distribution level to avoid congestion. I live in a street with 10 Teslas, and if they all start to charge at the same moment, there is an immediate problem. So in order to steer the consumption uh, and sometimes also the production at the right moment, um, these type of use solution can be a solution another solution is more i would say top-down steering of switching on and off batteries um but the, the, they all have something in common is that it needs to be close to real time because if there is a, an hour delay or 
it's, it's pointless. And, and we see that with some smart meter data, sometimes they come in 24 hours later. So that's great to send a bill, that's fine. But it's not great at all if you if you want to steer actively steer um, consumption behavior. So it needs to be close to real time. You need to be able to communicate with with millions of of devices or assets which are distributed across the country. So it's not one factory. It's it's millions of cars uh, across across the country. So you need a very strong IoT platform that is able to communicate with these devices. And the quality of the data needs to be, uh, uh, I would say, 100% right, because if not, it's not, not going to work. So, I mean, that's the world we are moving into. We're moving from, I would say, traditional backend stuff, which will stay there. I mean, you need it. You need to be able to send the bill. But we are moving into a real-time IoT-led data uh, environment to, to support these type of uh, time of use or demand response type of programs. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's a new world. It's a completely new world. Do, I mean, do you see uh, specific companies out there that are, are leading leading the charge in terms of developing those new IoT platforms? Are there any sort of good use cases or, or um, examples that you might point to and say, you know, this this demonstration is of good practice? Obviously, we don't want to embarrass uh, anybody and uh, any companies or anything. But uh, if there's any examples that you might like to highlight for listeners um, I think that would be interesting yes yeah, so, so honestly it's a fascinating area right because the traditional big players don't have yet solutions in this space I'm talking about software solutions so you see a lot of smaller startups scale-ups jumping into these type of uh, markets and then if they got it right they got they will get acquired, hopefully, and or be, being absorbed by the big uh, by the big utilities or by, by the big platform players. Um, so, I mean, in terms of software solutions, uh, I mean, Microsoft is is play, placing a very big bet on this, uh, and because it was their Azure platform, it's all around IoT and data, but it's a generic platform, so you need to build the business application on top of it. On the EV side, we see some very interesting companies emerging that that are doing this. Um, so the companies like Greenflux and, and Drives uh, are having very compelling solutions for the whole uh, e-mobility e market. And then if you lose, look at the users, you have the, the new motion that uh, was a startup in the Netherlands doing e-mobility services. And actually not only the charging of the cars, but they are now becoming even a utility providing electricity for the house. So they're becoming actually a competitor of the traditional utilities. That company has yeah. been acquired by Shell. And yeah. Shell is now making that part of their utility of the future. Um, NG has been acquiring EV box, uh, same story. So you see basically all the big utilities spinning up this these EV plays because it's, uh, well, it's, it's charging, it's electricity. Cars are batteries on wheels, so there is a future business model potentially there with smart charging and vehicle-to-grid type of solutions. And if you don't attack, I would say, or grasp that market, others will do it, right? Because the yeah. Volkswagen has announced to set up an, uh, an energy retailer to do charging, but whilst they are charging the home, they also charge your, your home and, and the car. So basically, uh, Total is doing the same, a big oil company. 
so it, it's it's a, it's a very interesting battlefield um, with no clear winners yet, but uh, we are contemplating everybody making the first moves there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, all, all the different types of use cases that we could talk about, you know, connected storage heaters, heat pumps, um, you know, different lows, aggregation, demand response. You know, you mentioned data earlier on in the conversation. You know, the value of of understanding consumption data in consumers' homes and and using that to create value for customers. You know, all of these different use cases. Do you think they will all sit on a on a single sort of enterprise platform ultimately, or do you see an ecosystem of platforms that relate to one another? You know, when you look forward, how do you see the the sort of the digital infrastructure developing for these types of, of utilities in Europe? Yeah, so I, I would expect the the latter. Um, I, I think the days of the monolithic solutions where everything is captured in one application are behind us. Eh? So the, the, the modern architectures are, are cloud-based, are modular, are component-based, are tied together by microservices, uh, loosely coupled. Um, so I think that that's going to be the future. So um, you don't want to have uh, 25 different point solutions either. So I'm expecting that these utilities are will move to an architecture where you will see two or three distinct architectures linked together mm. uh, based on the on the principles I mentioned earlier. I'm not expecting anybody being able to capture everything in one system, uh, even if that's techni technically feasible. You can build everything, but that, that's going to limit your agility for the future. As an example, if you have something, a very cool, I would say, omni-channel solution to interact with your customers, mm -hmm. if in three years from now there is a new solution provided by Weber that is better, you, you, you want to be able to apply that and to, to plug that into your architecture. And the same is true for something on the analytics or charging side. So I think that's the flexibility that these architectures will have. So that, that's yeah. my uh, that's my expectations for the for the future. Yeah. Okay. But coming back to one of the challenges you mentioned earlier about legacy systems and moving, you know, going from legacy to new world, that surely must be a recurring challenge for all of the existing players. And indeed, is is that essentially the big opportunity for new players to come to the space who can come in with a clean sheet of paper and essentially start a business as a digital business right from the beginning perhaps a analogy might be tesla in the in the automotive world you know it started purely on evs and a digital platform you know companies doing that in the utility space which potentially might be quite disruptive over the next years for incumbent utilities because of this challenge they have around their legacy systems yeah no 100% i mean you you're 100% right and and that's what that's what we are contemplating as well because what i said earlier it's always easier to start from scratch and build something fully digital in the new than than having this legacy and i think the octopus kraken is a is a is a great example of that they have been able to 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 build something from scratch i'm not really familiar with the technology but clearly they have a, an advantage of being able to start from zero and, and not having this this legacy uh, yeah. to carry with you. But ultimately, yeah. also those type of businesses will scale, will become bigger, will migrate millions of clients. And so I think this 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 legacy issue is is something ultimately in the long run 
is everybody will build their own legacy in some form or way. But clearly, the, 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 indeed, these, these small digital players can capture, can create an, an opening. But I think scaling up from, it's easy to do the first 300,000 customers or, 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 or services or what have you, but taking it from there to 10 million is not that easy anymore because suddenly you need to, to comply to all kinds of regulations. It's difficult to grow organically in, at that speed. Um, you need to, to take over when you perhaps need to, to, to merge or to acquire some legacy businesses. And, and before you know it, you end up in the same complexity that the incumbents have. So that, that's a bit my expectation. Okay, okay. So you sort of preempted my crystal ball question in slightly there and you know taking John's crystal ball out of the out of the cupboard and setting the dial to 2025 what would you you know if you went forward in a time machine you know what would you be really pleased to see in 2025 that you don't see today yeah so so perhaps starting from the from the business side I mean I spent my whole career on utilities and, and before utilities I was in energy. So I'm really passionate about it. And I think we are we are living probably one of the most exciting times at the moment with with this shift towards renewables and 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 the e-mobility and, 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 and decentralized solutions. And I think with the the recent announced Green Deal for the European Union. Uh, that's going to be even doubled down on by the European Commission to, to fight the COVID uh, crisis. I think the, 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 the speed of adoption will accelerate. So in terms of EVs and, and solar and these type of things, I'm, I'm expecting an explosion uh, in the next uh, five to eight years in terms of adoption and, and scaling. Mm. Uh, and with that, you, you, you need all the, the, the platforms and, and, and infrastructure, digital infrastructure we just discussed, you need it, because if not, you're just not able to, 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 to manage it. So that, that's one, one big expectation I'm, I'm having. Um, and then clearly, uh, who's going to benefit from it? I think it's going to be a mixed bag between some, some very good startups that are able to scale at speed and the incumbents that will be able to adjust and transform themselves into this uh, this new world and 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 can keep up the pace to uh, to meet customer expectations but, but again um there will be also some losers i'm afraid that i mean if you're too slow and if you if you if you, if you concentrate too long only on the electricity and gas and you you you, you keep being a commodity player i think you, the role of those type of utilities will will be marginalized over time. That's a bit my expectation. Yeah, I think uh, I agree. Some of the companies will no doubt become wholesalers or asset managers and you know withdraw from the retail space. Um, exactly. And other companies will benefit from that. Peter, yeah. thank you for that discussion. That was a fascinating run through. I, I totally agree with you. The, the, the obvious passion that you have on the, the opportunity to help the world get to a better place and you know, I, I think we've both been in the industry for about 30 years and, and I totally agree now is a fantastic time to be in this space because the opportunity to, to contribute to that energy transition journey that we're all on um, is really significant. So it's a really exciting time to be in the industry for sure. So, Vita, thank you very much for your time. Um, thank you for your contribution today to the podcast. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.
Okay, so thanks. That's it for this week. We hope um, you found it an interesting discussion. Um, this episode wraps up series six of our Talking UNG podcast. We'll be taking a short break before we start series seven, but John will be back with you soon. Goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.